Who's that, Kiki D, Duke? Kiki D. You can't beat Kiki. Uh, just after 10 o'clock uh, in Edmonton. Solid weather again for, I guess, the start of this week in Edmonton, but uh, things cooling off as the week progresses. So, man, we uh, dodged some uh, heaters, dodged some bullets to start off November, and now we're coming up to December. So, man, I think we, everyone's pretty happy, but what shook down for weather-wise in uh November. Uh, text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Rockford says the NHL Department of Player Safety is the biggest joke in professional sports. Uh, I guess we were talking about the Jacob Truba slash, and that's uh, getting uh, a fair bit of traffic. Uh, Team Dean says uh, it has nothing to do with DOPS, Department of Player Safety, even though they are inept. The league is fixed. There's Bettman teams, Vegas, Boston, Rangers, L.A., they get preferential treatment. McDavid would have got four games for that from Team Dean. Uh, Colin says, Oilers are the Dolphins of the NHL. What's that mean, Duke? Does that mean that they're high-flying? They put uh, points up on the board if they score? Or not No defense? Uh, I guess that's what that means. I, don't uh, I, I guess that's what uh, they're alluding to here, assuming they mean just the Dolphins and Oilers like this season, not like franchise-wise, um, because the, the Dolphins... I mean, they have a perfect season mm-hmm. back in the day. And then more recently, though, they've been um, more correlated with ineptitude and um, bad ownership and things along that line. Yeah. So uh, I, I think the comparison is, is limited, like the, limited to this season here. Yeah. Where, like I said, they're they're the high-flying uh, uh, offense production. Um, although the Dolphins' defense, I think, is better than people give it credit for, um, especially with Jalen Ramsey now back in mm-hmm. the – or all making his debut in Dolphins' uh, teal and uh, – Miami Vice colors, but uh, but back in the NFL <laughs> so, after missing time with injuries. So, you know what's funny is uh, if you were to rank offenses right now, and I'm not looking at stats or anything like that. So the three worst offenses in the league are the Jets, uh, then New England, and the Giants. Is that fair to say? But the Giants are even better than those two other teams. Oh, the Jets! The Jets are yeah, terrible, terrible, terrible. And so is New England. New England. I mean, we talked about it earlier with the Mac Jones situation, Bailey Zappi, like. It it is ugly. It is ugly up there in um New in in New England and but the Giants without the, the thing of the Giants still have at least is Saquon Barkley who is mm-hmm. still one of the best running backs in the league. So the, would the you Jets, go the Jets have Brees Hall sure but he's uh, not quite at that level. Uh, so would you go yet. New England's the worst, the Jets and then the Giants? So the Giants have the best offense out of those three. Of those three, oh yeah, real, real murderer's <laughs> row of offense, uh, which is, is pretty sad to say. That just stinks. And it's funny because, yeah, like I said, if you actually take a look at some numbers, there there are probably some other things that you can look at because like, even the Panthers, they're mm-hmm. terrible. They fire Frank Reich this morning. Um, the Titans have not been very good, uh, and they still have Derrick Henry back there and Dondre Hopkins um, as a wideout who are considered two of the best at their position of their generation, but like, Still nothing really going for them. They got to win over the aforementioned Panthers this weekend. But yeah, I, th- I think you probably covered it well there with those three teams being mm-hmm. the, the really bottom of the barrel. Pretty gross to, to watch them play football. <laughs> that game, did anyone even watch that game? On Friday? Uh, no, no. Like oh, the, the Patriots-Giants Patriots game. Giants. That game seemed like it was destined to end in a tie. <laughs> I thought like... it was going to be 0-0 <laughs> so, or 3-0. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, it doesn't yeah, – 10-7, not exactly a barn burner. Um, I had a friend of mine texting me about it yesterday uh, throughout the day saying, like, this is just – like, this is painful to watch. Like, who who's tuning into this? 
<laughs> uh, Googie texts in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. An aging and slowly uh, uh, degenerating. I guess Mike Smith, he's talking about, would uh, outperform the what Campbell has shown. Well, we're going to see. And I mean, Lorianne talked about Jack Campbell. Uh, Lorianne being, a, you know, a mindset coach. That's the title that she uh, goes by. And for Manny Legacy to work with Jack Campbell right now, let's see what happens in these next two, three, four starts uh, with Baco. If he can keep building and getting back some of what he's lost, and then you make a decision. Is he ready to take what he's got back? Uh, and it's not going to be everything that he's got back because it's not at the NHL level. Once he gets to that stage where he is uh, confident in himself at the AHL level, then you have to go, okay, can we give him another chance? Are we willing to bring him back up and either start him or feel confident. Well, you're going to have to start him if you're going to bring him back up. Start him and feel confident in what he can offer, what he can give us. And again, there isn't a lot of room for error here. The margin for error with the Oilers moving forward, they can't afford to go on another two, three-game losing streak here. It just doesn't work that way. And that's, that's a two- or three-gamer. Let's go three games, but... They can't afford that right now. 8-2 win last night, uh, improving to 7-12-1. and one. Uh, Still way back. Don't even think about a, a playoff spot right now. But you did pass Minnesota. All of a sudden, Nashville's humbling along. That was the other team that the Oilers were, we were talking about last week at the start of last week. Go, do your goal setting like this. Don't look at uh, what's going on in the Pacific Division. Don't look at playoff position seven and eight in the wild card look at who's in front of you well minnesota was in front of you and so was nashville nashville's won five in a row now moved up a lot in the standings that's what a five game heater does minnesota man oh man they are struggling they are struggling how long till billy garen pulls the plug on dean evison is he the number one coach on the uh, on the hot seat in the nhl Great game for Connor McDavid last night. His ninth career five-point performance, nine points in the last uh, two games. He's moved up to 10th in NHL scoring on a points-per-game average, points-per-game. What's he, 14 total? Uh, Was it 14th, Duke? Is that what you said? 13th. 13th in overall scoring, which when you think about it, he was uh, 110th or 120th about 10 days ago. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that was all the talk was saying like Connor McDavid's not in the top uh, 150 scores in the NHL. And I mean, yeah, putting up five points in one night can certainly <laughs> jump uh, a lot of Nine, those, uh, yeah. those raw um, rankings pretty quickly. But like we said too, I mean, it's, it's on a four game point streak. Yeah. Um, the five point last night, kind of just a nice little peak uh, at the end of that road trip, which yeah, started off pretty rocky, but got a good ending in mm-hmm. uh, Washington on Friday. So yeah, I, I think it's, um, it's not outlandish to say that uh, both Connor and Leon will probably be right up there in the mix uh, come season's end for the scoring title. And who knows? Connor McDavid could have a 10-game point scoring streak here. Maybe. <laughs> it, it, would take, it would take brighter minds than us to drum up uh, an idea like that. Well, though, that it, was yeah. part of the Duke's in or out uh, segment. And I said out, unfortunately. Duke, you think he's you, you're going in on that? It's We talked about it with Speck this morning. He kind of is looking more like the guy that we've uh, come to know and love and appreciate here in Edmonton mm-hmm. over the course of his career. And it was noticeable at the start of this season, and you talked about it, whether he was uh, had lost a little bit of weight, maybe yeah. feeling under the weather, still battling that oblique injury. 
any number of factors playing a role why he did not look like the best player to ever put on yeah. hockey skates and play at this level. Um, but last night, he certainly looked it. And yeah, the Ducks aren't a very good team. And we had this text in here from um, Collins. Oilers beat up on bad teams, can't be the good ones. Well, still you better win you, those you games. You still got to beat the bad yeah. teams. So, like, you, you know, don't apologize for winning games that you're supposed to win. Now, yes, this Vegas game will be a big test. And uh, if they can stack up, then I think there will be a lot more optimism moving forward because this is just two games against a Capitals team that has actually been looking much better the last uh, couple mm-hmm. weeks for sure. But the Ducks on the opposite end of that spectrum, like we said, uh, six loss in a row for them. You know, uh, and you, you did touch on what I brought up. I guess early last week about Connor McDavid. Uh, there was an uh, interview. Gene Principe did the interview, and I think it aired on Friday. I, I'm pretty sure it aired on Friday. But it was done. It was shot in September. It had to do with uh, uh, Ben Stelter and, and the uh, EOC, the, the uh, Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation, and where the 50-50 is going and things like that. So if you look at that interview that was done in September, and I think Connor McDavid is back to where he is um, – uh, back to where his weight kind of is going, where it should be. But if you look at that interview that was shot in September and look at, uh, say, an interview that was done, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, a couple weeks ago when the Oilers were, you know, when they basically made the coaching change and things like that, you can see in Connor McDavid, just in his face, that he is a little heavier than he, you know, at the start of the year in September there than what we saw you know, just in an interview two two weeks ago or so. Uh, text coming in. Uh, Imitation Tom says, we aren't in absolute panic yet, mode yet, but, well, we can't afford many two- to three-game skids. Yes. And that's what you're talking about. Collins here beating up on the bad teams can't beat the good ones. We're going to find out tomorrow in a hurry. That's, uh, that's the measuring stick. We're going to see exactly where the Oilers stack up against one of the best teams in the NHL, and that's the Vegas Golden Knights, Vegas in Calgary tonight. So always great when you can get a team where you now you're going to watch them. Every Oiler player is watching that game tonight. And you're seeing exactly, you're seeing little nuances. You're, you're able to kind of go, this is what they're doing tonight in Calgary. This is what we can do tomorrow. And it's not like they don't see the game film and they're going over video. Yes, they do that, but it's a little different when you're just sitting on the couch and you're watching the game and you're not busting it down frame by frame. Uh, It's a little uh, more relaxing to watch a game like that because all the players see things way more than what, you know, the average fan does. They see things that happen before, uh, you know, what is going to happen on the ice. So these guys have the affordability tonight to just kind of relax after a day off today and see how things shape up tomorrow night. Jamie says, Connor passed 25 guys in the scoring race yesterday, including uh, Jack, who, and Austin Powers. Austin Matthews, I assume he's talking about Austin Matthews and Jack Hughes. So... That's what nine points in a two-game stretch will do for you. And Jack Hughes missing a significant mm-hmm. amount of time with injury recently. Back in the lineup now, but can't be be overlooked there. But I mean, yeah, like we said, a five-point night will do that for you. Hey, let's let's do it. Let's do a text from Walter, our good friend Walter. Uh, management confidence is meaningless, says Walter. Campbell needs to gain teammates' confidence before he can be put back on the roster. Well, I think that 
one leads to the other, no, Walter? If you don't have confidence in yourself, well, how is the team going to have confidence in you? So manage your confidence. That's not meaningless, is it, Walter? I think you want to have your confidence within you. Then you can take it to the next level. And then your team in front of you has confidence. Isn't that how it would work, Duke? A hundred percent. Like, these are professional athletes. You don't think that they can look down the lineup in the dressing room and, like, read on one another who is feeling it and who's not. I mean, like I said, if Jack Campbell were to get recalled at any point here over the next this season, let's even just call it, um, and he's, he still doesn't have the faith in himself, maybe he's recalled on an injury thing, Pickard mm-hmm. or Skinner were to go down, whatever the case, like, his teammates still know if he's feeling it or not, and if they can see, okay, yeah, he's got a different look, he's feeling rejuvenated, back to this guy that um, came in and uh, almost saved our bacon in the playoffs last spring, that guy will reflect better, and all of a sudden his teammates have confidence in him in just as much as he has in himself, exactly like you said, Kevin. So yeah. you gotta you Get gotta your, be, you gotta believe in yourself before others can believe in you. Get your confidence back internally, then it exudes externally to your team. When we come back, it's time to talk a little more NFL football, and in particular, Monday Night Football. We got the Minnesota Vikings home to the Chicago Bears. We will check in with Matthew Collar from the Purple Insider. That's coming up. Right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Ooh, welcome back to the big program. Um, text coming in, one 401 Nathan says, the win last night was great. That being said, they better manage the puck better coming through the neutral zone or it'll be a long night. <laughs> Walter, you need to enlighten me as to when I suggested saying that he didn't need self-confidence. Management confidence is meaningless, as Walter said. All right, let's welcome in our next guest to the program on Sports 1440, uh, Matthew Collar, Purple Insider. Uh, Matthew, on Sports 1440, good morning. Kevin Carey is with you. Uh, How are things going, I guess, heading into a big Monday night football game for the Vikings? Well, uh, Minnesota needs a win here because our hockey team is terrible. <laughs> our college football team is terrible. Our college basketball team is terrible. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of a big one. It's also a big one for playoff odds, by the way. I yeah. was just asking some of the uh, analytics nerds on Twitter about the playoff odds, and this one has a huge swing when you look at kind of how the NFC is playing out. So uh, even though it's the Bears, you know, they're 3-8, and eight, mm-hmm. not a great team, Division matchup, like you never know what happens in these games. So uh, there's, there's there's kind of a lot going on here. Yeah, you know, Matthew, when you look at it again with a tough loss last week in Denver, but Detroit loses, uh, you know, on Thanksgiving Day. So that still opens the door a little bit here for the Vikings. I mean, two of the last three games are against the Lions as well. So, I mean, they can still sniff around this division here. Yeah, it's funny because uh, that was a conversation with us. It's like, wait, who should Vikings fans be rooting for on Thanksgiving? And it really depends on how strong you think this team actually is. Mm-hmm. Because if you think that the Vikings can compete for a division and they're strong enough to do that, then you were happy with the results. If you think that they're more of a fringe playoff team, then you were not happy with the result because now Green Bay is one game behind them. Uh, and if they don't win tonight, then all of a sudden this hot Green Bay team is kind of you know nipping at your heels. And it looks like just the way the NFC is playing out mm-hmm. that there's going to be eight teams that are kind of in it and seven spots, and somebody's going to get left out of that dance. And also, uh, I can't say I watched a ton of the Rams and Cardinals game yesterday, 
uh, as I was watching Buffalo Philadelphia be a great game, but uh, I noticed the Rams won. And so, you know, now the Rams are all of a sudden kind of on the Vikings' heels as well. And if they win this game against Chicago, then they're feeling a lot more secure. As you mentioned, yeah, two tough games against Detroit, but the rest of their schedule, they've got Vegas coming up. They've got Cincinnati with Jake Browning at quarterback. Uh, no disrespect to Jake Browning, but, you know, he's a backup. And, uh, you know, they've, then they've got a matchup with the Packers, and, and, and you feel like, well, there should be a good chance that they make the playoffs. But if they lose tonight, then all of a sudden that Packers game feels more daunting. Mm-hmm. If you're losing to bad teams – then, you know, can we guarantee that they're going to win on the road against Vegas? Can we guarantee they're going to win on the road against Cincinnati? You know, the, the feeling of this team really swings on tonight because if they, if they win tonight, if they blow out the Bears, then it's going to feel like playoffs, here we come. And if they don't, it's going to feel like this whole Josh Dobbs thing was magical for two weeks and now it's over. Matthew Caller, Purple Insider, our guest on Sports 1440. Before we get to Josh uh, Dobbs, Matthew, what's the situation? What's the status with uh, Justin Jefferson? Yeah, so uh, just before I came on here, uh, NFL Network reported that Jefferson's not going to play tonight against the Bears, which is not surprising, uh, you know, having been at uh, Kevin O'Connell's press conference on Saturday. uh, It was pretty clear that he was being uh, quite defensive about the amount of time that they're giving Jefferson to come back. But, you know, I, I, I wrote it this week, and I think everybody should feel this way, except for fantasy players. It's better to make sure that Justin Jefferson is at 100%, because mm-hmm. even though I just laid out how this is a big game for them and they need to win and so forth, uh, you're not a dangerous team at all unless you have Justin Jefferson back, and you need him back at 100%. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, they, they pushed Adam Thielen, another wide receiver, uh, back too soon after a hamstring injury, and on the first drive, he re-aggravated it, was out for basically the rest of the season. I mean, they can't have that yeah. with Justin Jefferson. The other thing is, too, that you know his contract keeps getting brought up, but uh, more lo- likely than not, I would say 95% chance, they are signing him to a massive contract extension after this year, and they want this guy to be a Viking for the next 10 years. You want him dealing with a hamstring issue all the time. Like you just, those things can be so aggravating for you know skill players, guys that have to have you know burst and twitch off of the line of scrimmage and everything. So I think they're playing it right, but that also makes this harder, you know, to to beat the Chicago Bears because the last time they played them in Chicago, the offense did not perform very well, and that was the first game that they didn't have Justin Jefferson. So yeah, it, it will definitely be more of a challenge without him. Matthew Caller, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, Matthew, one of your recent articles, just like the Jefferson uh, article about Josh Dobbs. And, man, we saw him against uh, Denver and under pressure a lot of times. And then, oh, man, all of a sudden you're going, take care of the ball, take care of the ball. And he's kind of thinking to uh, try something else. And you mentioned the word is is a balanced playmaking magic with execution, I guess. Where do you think Dobbs is and where are the Vikings with this quarterback that's come in here and you got to be happy with the job he's done since taking over for uh, Kirk Cousins? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he's, I don't know if you guys have heard the rocket science uh, story with him, but uh, I, you know, I've been using all the puns that I can about his background in uh, studying rocket science, but uh, the Vikings have been over the moon about his performance. (laughs) Put it that way. There you go. Uh, no, really. I mean, you couldn't have dreamed it up any better, honestly. Like, I know that they lost against Denver, but his 
overall performance was pretty decent, gave them a chance to win. They fumbled the ball away. They made a mistake in pass protection that turned into an interception that really wasn't anything that Josh Dobbs did wrong. Just his arm got hit on a mistake in pass protection. Um, But you did see, I think, a little more of the weaknesses for Josh Dobbs in that game than you saw the previous two weeks. Uh, He has tremendous running ability. He knows how to make plays on the move, keep his eyes downfield. But if you're going to rely on that, uh, it it does run out most of the time, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, even the great quarterbacks who who are runners, they have to make throws. uh, And they they have to stay in the pocket sometimes because teams are going to figure out how to slow that down. It's been a really... Uh, difference-making part of his game. So, you know, no one should tell him to stop doing it. But there's also a few plays where he just barely shrugs off a tackler and you go, man, if that guy was there a quarter of a second earlier, you are getting killed and fumbling the football, right? And he Mm -hmm. leads the NFL in fumbles. So, like, that's kind of a big deal uh, that they have to worry about. And I think that that's that's probably number one on the list is, is can you protect the football while also trying to make those types of magical plays and also, you mentioned Denver was able to pressure him. Way, it's true, way more than the previous two games that, that he played. So if Den, or if uh, Chicago has a good plan for rushing him, uh, you know, is that going to change the, the math a little bit? Because I don't think that he's a quarterback that really is going to stand in there and, and face the pressure and, and find his hot reads and things like that. I mean, this is a guy who's still learning the offense. So he has to be a playmaker. He has to get good pass protection or it's going to be a little more of a struggle. Matthew Collar from Purple Insider, our guest on Sports 1440. You know what? I, I just use, Matthew, I use uh, uh, rocket surgeon. So it's like half rocket scientist, <laughs> half half brain surgeon. So, you know, you're getting the best of both worlds. You can't get a smarter guy like than that, that, you know. That's so, good. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he's been exciting to watch, and he's been, you know, everyone thought the season was over when Cousins went down, and he's kept the Vikings in there. Um, TJ Hawkinson, you, you has he been the, the I guess his biggest release valve? And you know they always say young quarterbacks look for their tight end, and because he's the easy target over the middle. But how's that relationship been working between the two of them? You think? Yeah, no question. Hawkinson was basically the one guy in, on the team that Dobbs knew before he got here because uh, they had done some offseason throwing and very clear chemistry between them right away. And I think that's partly just who T.J. Hawkinson is. You mentioned. I mean, if you're a tight end who gets on the same page with the quarterback. That's like having a cheat code for the quarterback mm-hmm. because that player is always there and always reliable. And I don't know that any weapon has been bigger for him, uh, for Josh Dobbs, since he got here than having TJ Hawkinson. The other thing, too, is that Hawkinson is playing through some pretty serious rib injuries, uh, and he's been battling. I mean, he's everything that they ever could have asked for when they traded for him last year. It kind of ties into – the, the job that their general manager, Quasi Adafo-Menta, has done. I mean, how many teams uh, probably should have traded for Josh Dobbs now that we look around the league and watch, you know, Zach Wilson or Tim Boyle playing for the New York Jets and a lot of teams struggling at their quarterback position. They made a move to get a quarterback who could keep them in the race and also last year making that move to get Hawkinson to be that extra weapon. But where it's really been interesting with him that's changed is that he's going down the field a lot more. So we always think of it as that, that outlet, that safety valve. But because Hawkinson has like more athleticism and speed than most tight ends, they've used him running post routes down the middle of the field to get big gains. He's had explosive plays in the last couple of weeks, and I think that opposing defense is just 
do not really expect that coming from uh, the tight end. So he's, he's a unique player, and I think it speaks to just how good this setup is for a quarterback, right? And as they have a decision to make at the end of this season mm-hmm. what they're going to do at the quarterback position, it's something to keep in mind that they have great receivers, great tight end, good offensive line, and, and probably one of the best offensive coaches in the league that has all allowed this Josh Dobbs thing to happen. You know, speaking of quarterback situation and uh, decisions at quarterback, as we are speaking with uh, Matthew Collar from uh, Purple Insider in Minnesota, that suits uh, that you can that hits the nail on the head for the Chicago Bears and what and then what the Bears are going to be doing with Justin Fields here in the next, I guess, uh, half dozen games, and then looking forward because of their draft pick situation with Caleb Williams, with what happened with uh, the trade with Carolina. So, what do you make of what's going to happen here with? I guess Justin Fields and and the Bears quarterback situation and everything moving forward with these high draft picks that will probably be, you know, you know, number one, number two here uh, for next year's NFL draft. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a great question. I I think if you're the Bears and you pass up Caleb Williams, you know, just by their history, you're going to regret it forever. Right. I mean, the thing about Justin Fields is so interesting and and going into this game, you know, we can't talk about it as a gimme for the Vikings because at any given time, Justin Fields can flip a switch and absolutely wow you. Mm -hmm. I mean, he did it uh, against the Vikings last year at us bank stadium in the second half of the game and almost came back and won. He did it against Detroit at different moments, even last week. And then you go, wait, so is he turning this corner? Is he turning this corner? And then the answer is almost inevitably no, that he goes mm-hmm. back and has, you know, four or five uh, poor games. And I guess that's the definition of a mediocre quarterback is one who can do it sometimes, but not all the time. And I, I just think that, you know, their management played it actually really well to wait and give Fields one more chance at this to see if he took that big step forward, and he has not. And so when he didn't, then you make that trade with Carolina. They're the worst team in the league. They're firing their coach. They're not going to get any better. And you're going to end up with the number one overall draft pick. And because Fields didn't take the step, another potentially top five pick. And and look, you don't uh, win championships by having draft picks, right? That They don't give out uh, rings for, hey, you've drafted high. Yeah. But this is the best chance the Chicago Bears have had at a great quarterback since ever. <laughs> I mean, like, I can't remember. <laughs> since they drafted Cade, McC- uh, Cade McNown when I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, Geez, it, like it's, it, but a lot of times, one of the reasons is that they're not drafting those quarterbacks high. They're trading up in the middle of the first round for fields, or you know, they're, they're trying to just bring somebody in to hope they could be a game manager, like Kyle Orton or, mm-hmm. or Rex Grossman or something. Like this is kind of their big chance to really turn a corner as an organization, and it will be fascinating to see how that kind of rebuild battle works because. The Vikings rebuilt a lot over the last two years as in their roster, but also stayed in the playoff race while Chicago tanked. But, you know, <laughs> look, if, if you draft a Joe Burrow or something, that tanking can work pretty fast. So, yeah, I am, trust me, I am fascinated by the decisions they have coming up. Uh, Matthew Collar, Purple Insider, our guest on Sports 1440. You know, Matthew, there's a stat out there about Bears quarterbacks, and I believe, I, I think I'm correct in saying this, Tom Brady's, uh, stats from his 40s, just from in his 40s, uh, his stats are higher than any Chicago Bears quarterback in the history of the team, which you go, I mean, that's this is bizarro world. I mean, they just haven't, it, it I mean, that's, you, that's ahead of Jay Cutler, Jim McMahon, all these guys. It's crazy to think that. That is, that is crazy. I mean, and, you know, there was another one, too, that uh, it was something like, 
uh, about thousand yard receivers that they've had like one or two thousand yard receivers since the fifties or something. And the Vikings had the Vikings just drafted another great receiver. So here's the Vikings with all these all time great receivers, and you know the Bears can never find them, and, and that probably ties into the quarterback situation. Yeah. It's yeah, it's wild. Them and the New York Jets are terribly cursed. But you know what can break a curse is a, a number one overall draft pick. I mean, it's it's amazing how, like, when I was growing up, the New Orleans Saints were, like, the biggest joke. I mean, they would have, like, Billy Joe Hobart or something <laughs> as their quarterback. And you'd be like, who cares about them? And then they get Drew Brees, and all of a sudden they're a premier organization for, you know, yeah. the next decade. It, it, it all swings on that. And they've, they've got an interesting situation because I think their general manager, even with some missteps along the way, Ryan Poles, he executed the plan. I mean, this is exactly what they would have drawn it up as. They probably also knew when they traded with Carolina that Carolina was going to be garbage this year. And so they had to figure, like, we could end up with a really great draft pick. And here you are in the driver's seat. And I wonder if Ryan Poles is even going to get to stick around to see it. Like, he's going to do the tanking, but somebody else is going to, you know, because a lot of times when it goes this sideways, they get fired. So, like, is, is Ryan Poles rooting for them to actually win some games like to win this game and and you know make an argument that they're going in the right direction but then does it make the field's decision harder if he plays well it's there's a lot going on there there is uh, matthew caller from uh, purple insider our guest on sports 1440 uh so montez sweat comes over uh from washington to chicago i think he's just been okay in in his time in chicago uh, tj edwards is probably the heart and soul on the defense or one of them anyway how do you think uh this uh, defensive front and the linebacking core uh, stacks up against what uh, minnesota will bring offensively tonight yeah i think uh, what montez sweat brings even if his production hasn't been fantastic the first couple weeks is somebody to be afraid of right and someone that you have to account for put your extra pass protection on. And before that, um, the Bears defensive line had nobody I recognized. So, I mean, it, it, it was it just not just not a very impressive group. I mean, I think Yannick Ngakwe is there and, and so forth. I mean, it's just not, just not that great. But where I was really impressed in Chicago is with Matt Eberflus, their head coach, who may not be fit for head coaching, but I think he is fit for defensive coordinating because – they threw the kitchen sink at the Vikings the last time. All sorts of different coverages, different looks. They stuffed the run extremely mm-hmm. well. And the Vikings walked out of there with a win, but they were not happy. I was in that locker room after the game, and it was like, did we even did, did we even win here? Yeah. Like, I mean, it was, uh, it was a lot of guys that were very, very frustrated by Chicago's defense. And so I think schematically, uh, Matt Eberflus uh, knows how to change things up. Uh, they've played much, much better defensively over the last four or five weeks as a unit, and I think you know Sweat also plays into that. So how they approach getting after Josh Dobbs, it's not a defense that likes to blitz much, which mm-hmm. makes me wonder – are they all of a sudden going to blitz like crazy for this week because that's not what the Vikings are prepping for. So there's, you know, that's what makes these division games so interesting, even when one team has a good record, the other team doesn't, is like you never know how they're going to change things up from the last time you saw each other. So I'll be very interested how they play defensively against the Vikings. Speaking of defense, how, how good has Hunter been for the Vikings this year? I mean, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, he's the he is the quietest player in the entire league. Like I've covered most of his career, uh, probably ninety percent of his career. I started in two thousand sixteen covering the team, and he is he's 
very, very nice person, very soft-spoken, but not at all a self-promoter. He doesn't have a podcast. He's not posting himself on Twitter all the time and, you know, do, you know, getting all the pregame because he's so quiet. He doesn't get the pregame interview with the sit-down with Aaron mm-hmm. Andrews and all that sort of stuff yeah. like a lot of the pass rushers. Then you call up the stats and you go, wait a minute. This guy's every bit as good as all the players who get all the attention and all the money in this league. And if he had not had the injuries in 2020 and 2021, I think we would be talking about him as one of the highest paid because he has that type of impact on the game. I mean, he's just a force. But also the thing that's crazy is he just keeps getting better. Like he Physically, you can see it, why he is able mm-hmm. to sack quarterback so often because he's massive and incredibly fast. But he is also added to that toolbox year after year. And then he gets a head coach or a defensive coach, I mean, like Brian Flores, Mm -hmm. uh, who's using a lot of different looks in the secondary, a lot of different rush packages, and actually getting some some different matchups for Daniil Hunter. It's just been the perfect fit. I mean, clearly to me, one of the best players defensively in the NFL, even though I see nobody talking about him for defensive MVP. It's (laughs) kind of wild. Well, appreciate your time uh, today, Matthew. Hopefully the Vikings can come out with a win here tonight. And then, as you said, you know, the last two games out of the three, well, three, it's uh, two against Detroit and one against Green Bay. So it could come down right down to the wire here for the division. And uh, hopefully the Vikings can stay in the hunt here. It always does, yeah. doesn't it? It always yeah. does with this team. So th- thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. That's Matthew Collar, Purple Insider. And uh should be an interesting tilt tonight. I mean, there are a lot of... Vikings fans, you know, across the prairies just because of the proximity of uh, where, you know, growing up in, you know, you had the Bud Grant angle from the Blue Bombers to the Vikings. So, you know, across, you know, Alberta and Saskatchewan and and Manitoba, there are a lot of Minnesota Vikings uh, fans in uh, this part of the country. Uh, When we come back, we will wrap things up. And a text from Playbook Vic. Playbook Vic is back. Wow. Uh, that's coming up after the break on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, you know, Duke, you always surprise me with some of the songs that come on at the end of the show. Michael, ja- That's the first Michael Jackson song we've had besides Thriller on on Halloween Day. I, I've played this one before. Have you? Yeah, it's it's okay. another one of my kind of go like favorite songs personally. I love to play it, uh, you know, whether you're going out for the night or you just need to get yourself in a little pick-me-up type mood. It's just... So fun that beat, uh, that nice long intro with a few little hee hees in there, and that. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. It's a couple of soft reports coming out. You know, the big thing in baseball right now is Shohei Otani. Where is he going to sign? So some talk, minor rumblings. I don't know if you want to call it that. The Toronto Blue Jays are in the mix for Shohei Otani. I just don't see it happening. I w- wouldn't it be great? It would be the best thing that happened in this country as far as a free agent signing in probably the history of sports. Who else? Oh, God. There's yeah, no one yeah. even close. And, and I mean, like when you consider the dollar figure thing and like oh. we, we all know. Um, <laughs> if he signs. The, the for- Rogers situation and sometimes how much they've liked to uh, pinch some pennies and things at the Blue Jays oh. over the year. This wow. would be uh, quite the uh, Let's just turning say- of the tail for so that. So at 600 million U.S., that's a billion, almost a billion Canadian. 
That's some dough. So uh, if this happens, let's just say Shohei Otani signs with the Jays. The first thing that I'm doing is getting a new phone carrier because I know my Rogers plan is going to go through the roof. <laughs> it's just exactly like what happened when, you know, the NHL signed. Uh, Rogers gave them the 11 point whatever and they signed with the, the NHL. Oh, the yeah. TV deal. Because my phone went up from 50 bucks a month to 100 in <laughs> about two years. And that's exactly what will happen here. Um, other teams reportedly in the mix, obviously Dodgers, Rangers, the Giants are still in there. They have to be. Uh, we were talking about this a while back. I said the Dodgers would be where he signs. And then I said, Seattle is the dark horse for mm-hmm. me. I don't know. I just think that Seattle has that something about it where a player like Otani might be just think he's not going to pitch next year, but Mariners have a hell of a staff. If Robbie Ray can come back, the Mariners they got some they got some bullets. They got just got rid of uh, Gino Suarez, right? Yes, they got rid of him because they can't afford him at third base, and he's no screaming hell anyway. He hits yeah. a lot of he gets thirty dingers, but his average is two thirty or whatever. But could you imagine the Blue Jays signing Shohei Otani? I think it would be unbelievable. Uh Playbook Vic, uh, commenting on our last guest, Matthew Collar from the Purple Insider. Uh, Josh Josh Dobbs, Joshua Dobbs, if you want to go the full. The astronaut. Yes. The, you know, the rocket surgeon. <laughs> uh, I bet you watch Matthew Collar is going to be starting that. He's going to be calling him a rocket surgeon. A rocket surgeon. Uh, still learning the playbook. What? LOL, Playbook Vic. This goes back how long now? Three? Well, we can see exactly. Oh, yeah, this, I guess. Uh, we can scroll back. Uh, it's quite a while back. <laughs> Playbook Vic. The first time he signed his text as Playbook Vic, I think it was November 13th. Are you? Oh, no, no, way back. November 10th. Yeah. He's way back. He, no, no, we're talking way back. He, that's well, in October. Because it was, it was at the trade deadline because yeah. that's what we were talking about. And that's so. in October, isn't it? October, no, November. Uh, November 7th? Yeah. There we go, yeah. Right at the start of November. Yeah. First week of November. So Playbook Vic, to, to our listeners, Playbook Vic sent a text in talking about the playbook and we had a minor disagreement about it. It was very cordial. Yeah, well, yeah. And most play- of most of our disagreements yes. with the texters are. And anyway, Playbook Vic comes in and says, you ask Eddie Steele about that on Friday because Playbook was talking about the fact that uh, Josh Dobbs was coming in and they're not, there's no trades. They weren't making trades in the sense, uh, because according to Playbook Vic, other teams didn't, or a team didn't want to trade a player because A, he would take the playbook with them. B, there'd be too much uh, to learn, I guess. Yeah, in what is like the the, half of a season or not even at that point. Too much uh, to learn. Yeah, you can't learn it that quickly. Um, <laughs> uh, Tiger says, when is uh, Eddie on? I have a question for him. And uh, Eddie Steele is on 7 to 9 on Fridays for Bonton Bakery. So you can uh, text in on Friday. Tiger. Yeah, too bad that uh, Playbook Vic, he's, he's been kind of quiet, hasn't he, about the playbooks and stuff. And we believe this is Vic from Red Deer, do we not? Or not? The coach from Red Deer? Playbook Vic, can you uh, expand on that? Send us a text. Give us a call. Playbook, Vic. We'd love to have you on. Uh, Shanked one goes, uh, hey, guys, do you know what our regular, what 
our O-U-R regular season record is against Vegas. I would think it is probably good. They should be worried about playing us. We're going to pound them. I'm not afraid of Vegas, Shanked one says. Well, I would be afraid of what happened in the playoffs last year in the sense that you were, the Oilers were tied two games to two. And things were, I mean, the stars could not have aligned for the Oilers, more so than what happened last year. When you look at all the teams being knocked off, you're, go, you're seeing Boston loses. Everyone's going like, this was the season that Boston was going all the way. I mean, they had the goaltending. They had... They had Bergeron. I mean, this was the swan song for all these guys. Uh, Krejci going on in, um, in in the sense that this was supposed to be Boston coming out of the East. Now everyone loses out of the West. You know, you got Seattle. Seattle's going on. This was the year. That was the year that the Oilers had a chance to really make a charge. Everyone thought it was going to happen. They're 2-2. They're tied at 2 with Vegas. Last year game 5, give up 3 goals in the second period. Quick goals, by the way. And then uh, uh, Marcia so with a hat trick in game 6 in the second period. So 3 quick goals again. That's the difference in the series. Lapses. Massive lapses. So I think you have to... This is uh, this is a, a turning point of the season for the Oilers. You go out tomorrow and have a strong performance, you got to get a win. You get a win, a strong performance, this is where your season turns around. Imitation Tom. 90% of a team's playbook is going to be the same from team to team. They might use different language, but the actual book of plays will be almost identical. The odd nuance, but the same book. And who wants the Browns book anyway? Well... I don't think I would agree that the, the book is 90% the same from team to team. I just don't see that happening. Language, I agree. There is a lot of language that is differentiating from book to book, from team to team, but no way that a team's playbook is 90% of the same. Duke, what do you think? This, is a, a part, this is a part of football that I have not struggled to understand, but kind of have really had to work towards understanding more as I've gotten more into the game because I, I, I didn't grow up playing football mm-hmm. in, in, in any in any capacity, barely even a casual one, throwing the ball around in the yard or something. So, like, the, the NFL playbooks are so complicated and extensive that I think what Imitation Tom is saying that, I mean, yes, you have certain, like, play-action plays, pass plays, run plays, like, like most of them are the same in essence, but there are still enough. Like he's saying yeah. nuance is difference. Yes, but I think it is more than that in terms of differentiation. And the language alone be, like makes it so like it's to learn a new playbook. You basically have to completely eliminate the previous one from your memory because a human brain can only hold so much. Even if you are a rocket surgeon, unless, like you're, Josh Dobbs, unless you're Josh Dobbs, unless you're Josh Dobbs, but even still, right? So um, I, I think the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle here between of, are they all the same? I'm, yeah, it's football. There's only so many different ways you can mm-hmm. do things, right? But at the same time, compared to, say, hockey, there's two different D-zone coverages you can run in <laughs> hockey. That is not the same in football. You can run a plethora of different D-zone coverages um, with that many guys in the field and moving in I different I think there's directions. a few more in hockey, though, Duke, a few more than two. I know, I know you're just going man-to-man in zone. That's what you're thinking. Yes. But there are two. There's, there's, but each, yeah. each one is a variation of that. In a way, unless, I mean, there is certain hybrid styles too, but my, my point remains. Yes. So, um, yeah, man, NFL playbooks are so complicated. They're, they are complicated, and but 
getting back to uh, Playbook Vic, again, you can still grasp what's going to be happening here. And that's mm-hmm. why a guy like Josh Dobbs has been able to do that. But if you look at a lot of his plays against Denver, I mean, he was, there's a lot of ad living there, man. He, if you just really break that down, he's running for his life a lot of the times, and he's throwing up some ducks there in that game that should have been picked. Or he, or as, uh, as uh, Matthew Collar said, he's lucky that he never get, never got uh, scorched and mm-hmm. got pounded by whoever was coming at him for Denver. But there were many times where he's just throwing up a prayer and everyone on that sideline's going, oh, no, 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 just eat it, just eat it, or throw it away quicker, throw it away quicker. So we've got a jam-packed show tomorrow. We'll have Grant Furon from uh, 9 to 11, talk a little Coachella Valley. Uh, they're playing well again, and uh, Grant will probably break down that game Saturday because it was a road game though. Excuse me. It was a road game for Coachella Valley against uh, Bakersfield. 4-2 win for the Firebirds. Uh, Jack Campbell, 33 saves. The fourth goal was an empty netter. Uh, So tomorrow on the big program, Grant Fuhr will uh, guest with us uh, from Palm Desert from 9 to 11. Working on a couple of guests for Grant. Uh, Will be a former teammate, I believe. Just have to solidify that today that uh, a couple guys, I'm not going to give their names yet just in case they can't make it, but we'll uh, try to work on that as well. Uh, Thanks to all our guests today. Sean Brown, first time in a long time, well, first time ever that Sean Brown has been able to come on uh, to talk positive stuff after an Oilers game. Like to thank uh, Declan Kruger for getting up at seven o'clock. No, no, just kidding. (laughs) I think we can grease him a little bit more than what he's been getting. No, Duke? Well, I'll leave that up was to you. Was there a fine? Connor Halley, was there a fine for Declan for not making her last Friday? He's got court still. Oh, he's kangaroo court. Yeah. There's a process. Yeah, there is a process. A due process. We, we Yeah, we do things the right way here at uh, the Stingray Studios. Yeah. Well, of which, uh, this is just a very quick side tangent, Kevin. Yeah. Chili cook-off taking place oh, here in okay. the Stingray Studios today. Right as soon as uh, Connor and I wrap up Fantasy Frenzy. I'm pumped. So I you, love chili. You're just going in for the chili. You're not bring, but you're supposed to bring something. No, 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 no. We yes. got, we got the email from Marty Stevens, head honcho here. Yeah. Said, hey, yeah, uh, feel free to come check out the chili. Cast so, your vote. But, but and he said, are, don't feel obligated to vote for me just because I'm the one that invited you. Okay, we got the email a little late, didn't we? For like, we didn't get like. We did not get the email last week to say, okay. if you want to enter one, do so yes. by Friday. Had we known, you and I, we would have put together well, a We little, would have cooked something yes. up. Pretty tough. To, I could zip home and I got some in the freezer I could probably get. Just come thawed and Yeah, just throw, it, it, throw it in the slow cooker. <laughs> just blast it in the microwave. <laughs> uh, thanks to uh, Mark Spector, Cassie Campbell, uh, Hockey Night in Canada, Chris Cook. Uh, man, check his website website out. If I can ca, you will be blown away. Matthew Collar, our uh, insider for tonight's Monday Night Football game, the Purple Insider, Vikings and Bears. Plus our co-host as she comes in, Olympic gold medalist every Monday from eight to ten, Laurie and Munzer. Coming up at the top of the hour, it is. Former Ross Shep T-Bird. And Fantasy Frenzy, Connor Halley, the former Ross Shep T-Bird. Fantasy Frenzy, 11 to 12. At 12 o'clock till 2, the lowdown with Alan Mitchell on Sports 1440. 
Jason Greger takes us home uh, from 2 to 6 with the Jason Greger Show. Thanks so much to all our listeners who took part and sent us in, uh, some great text today, some great uh, audience interaction once again on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning, bright and early at 7 with our co-host, Grant Fear from 9 to 11. Uh, before Fantasy Frenzy at the top of the hour, here is the Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas with a Sports 1440 update. Have a wonderful day, everyone.